and welcome Hi. to the Popcorn Brothers. I'm Eli. I'm Isaac. And we are here to talk to you about movies. We bring the latest and greatest to you every single week, live from Nashville. Not when you listen to it, but when we speak it. Yes. And we're excited this week to bring you what is a normal episode. Yeah, so get that's excited. Right. This is Don't act like you didn't like that series. <laughs> I'm not I'm not downing the series in general. But we are I'm just saying of it we have been on series for so long that it's yeah, nice to just that is true. take a step back, let a load off, not have so much pressure. That go, is true. Go regular. <laughs> Get back to the roots. What, what, what we started doing. Roots. Yes. So how was your week, Isaac? It was good. It was good? Yeah, right in the middle of it right now. Happy 4th of July. Oh, yeah, that's For all today. those people who are not. Oh, my goodness. If you love America, <laughs> today is your day. Well, we're recording it on the 4th of July. It won't yeah. be when they listen to it. But. As Ron Swanson said, July 4th, 1776 was the, the beginning, beginning of, history. of history. Everything yeah. before that was a mistake. <laughs> so here we are. Um, this week, we have a lot of things uh, on tap. Um, specifically well, three things, always, but, <laughs> but they're flavored differently slightly. Um, oh yeah, they really are. We have, we're going to start as we do with this week at the movies and we have the Incredibles too. Do yep. we have anything else? Did you see anything else? Mm-mm. I didn't see anything else. I saw, I saw Ocean's 8 and Won't You Be My Neighbor again, but we already talked <laughs> about saw those. It again? Dang, yeah. I saw both of them again. That's crazy. Guess okay. what? Lots of crying in Won't You Be My Neighbor again. <laughs> that's good i didn't i didn't actually watch anything on netflix either this week i had a oh i watched something on netflix though oh no i did watch lo and behold which is the history of the internet like from the like the very beginning to now and some it's a it's a who's the guy that did grizzly man it's him oh warner herzog yeah yeah it's i've i fell asleep in the middle of it so i've I've seen several of his they're pretty good but sometimes they're a little slow yeah it's very slow but i don't know grizzly man is great i love grizzly man yeah one of my favorite docs for sure good one okay um well i'm gonna plug what i watched i watched the second season of glow this and is the <laughs> <this> <laughs> intro of it's fine oh. it's fine i just i was i didn't mean to interject oh. into the middle of our intro <laughs> I thought we were already there no Sorry. no we'll we'll give you we'll give okay. you in the in the this week at the movies you can go over the whole That's thing fine. because after that we will have our trailer watch with the predator trailer number one and it is just over a week old because no good trailers came out in the last yeah, week. Yeah, we had trouble picking one. Well, which, it looks like there's an Ethan Hawke one, and we love Ethan Hawke. We saw uh, First Reformed recently I mean, with him. Ethan Hawke is fine. I don't like love him or anything. I think he does really cool movies, at least uh, time travel or like kind of like weird <sighs> stuff-wise. So when are you going to just we'll, pick we'll that watch movie that. So we Oh, we will. It'll it. be very soon. It'll be very soon. Um, so we'll be watching the Predator trailer number one because people might actually recognize what we're talking about. And then we will go into Isaac's first natural pick in over a month, Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. For people who are Boz confused, Lerman. we had to even out the numbers. They were a little off. So I'm going again. <laughs> yeah. Isaac has had seven weeks in a row. <laughs> it's, it was completely by accident and not that fact that he plans out the spreadsheet of the scheduling. Um, yeah, but we're here. I'm excited. I watched the movie. I'm ready to talk about it. I'm nowhere near as angry as I was last I week. Purpose, I did not do this on purpose, <laughs> but when I was on, like, on my way over here thinking about it, I was like, wow, it's really great that I put Moulin Rouge, which Eli was not excited to watch after the kids are alright, because I was like, there's no way that Moulin Literally, Rouge could be worse than that. We couldn't go so. down. There was like <laughs> everything about this was going to be better, no matter what, because I had to watch the kids are alright. So, Alright, well, let's jump in. We're all warmed up. If you need a moment, stretch, uh, get up, do some jumping jacks, get the blood flowing. This is going to be very intuitive and very engaging, and we are starting with this week at the movies so we just we literally we just got back we walked from our cars to do this podcast in a hundred three degree heat in nashville it is the hottest day that has ever existed and we just saw the incredibles 2 isaac give us a little bit about the incredibles um so the incredibles 2 is the sequel to the incredibles uh, that came out 14 years ago. 14. We were pretty young. Yeah. Some of our um, members may not have been, audience members may not have been alive I don't, at the point. I don't think that's true. We but. are a really big fan base in Brazil. <laughs> Keep going. Um, it's So it's the sequel to The Incredibles, which is a Disney Pixar movie about a family of superheroes and um, everything that ensues with that mom and dad and two or three kids that are young. Everything that ensues when the... Um, traditional family roles are flipped between the mom and dad that's the sequel i went just oh, in general oh you're talking about in general yeah as a as a franchise yes that's yes. true 
Um, anyway, so in this one, the uh, Incredibles are being sort of forced underground because the world doesn't want there to be superheroes, but they make friends with this company who wants to bring superheroes back and believes in the superheroes. So they talk Elastigirl into sort of becoming their first, the face of their project and like saving a bunch of people. Meanwhile, Mr. Incredible has to go take care of Violet and Dash and Jack-Jack and take care of the house while she goes off to fight crime first. And then theoretically, once she completes this mission, they'll all be allowed to be crime fighters again. Yes. Also shout out to James clues who just followed us back on Twitter. (laughs) Follow us at PBMC podcast. (laughs) I just got the notification. So thanks. Thanks James. Shout outs. Uh, keep going. Um, and that's about, I mean, that's mostly the plot of the movie. That's the plot of the movie. Uh, it, yeah. I mean, there's a, You already said superheroes are illegal? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the plot of the movie. The recycled, rehashed. We've talked about this. I'm going to go ahead and say... Well, yeah, I was like trying not to talk about the movie on the way home, but... Yeah, there's something about this movie that is just like every other superhero movie that has been done recently, and it's kind of... I don't know. They maybe wrote this before any of those came out, and it just like everyone had the idea at the same time, and this one got released later. I'm sure it was like that, because movies sit around for a while. And they've been waiting on... So it wasn't like they saw that and copied it. It just... I think it ended up having the tail end of this like... Well, that's my problem with the whole movie in general. Well, it's not a problem per se. I enjoyed the movie. It's it's funny. It's a there good were a lot time. of really it's funny. funny yeah, and I think it's pretty good on a lot of the comedy. Um, but it does just feel like a mishmash of stories that you kind of have already seen. I mean, because like we were saying, the storyline of the superheroes being illegal or sort of the moral debate of whether superheroes are a good thing to have or a bad thing to have is straight out of what Marvel is doing, sort of with civil war and that sort of thing. Yeah. And there was also, I found it interesting that there was a positive apology, not oh like an, a negative apology. So I don't know. It's I think just that so that's just Disney plugging their own movie more. Maybe so. Just, I don't, I don't I see think there's, it's just a hype thing. They're yeah. just trying to hype you up for the fact that you had to wait 14 years to see the movie. I don't think it was an apology per se. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just strikes me as weird that they would even like take the time to do it. I don't know. It doesn't to me because they run things like that all the time at the, the sort of the new trailer thing. That's the thing to do at Regal, like the, the small foot or whatever oh, that movie is called, oh, like where you foot. have people from the movie talking about the oh. movie in, in lieu of a just actual straight up trailer. It's just, it's just cool to have the actors, like the voice actors, be up on screen saying anything, basically. That, yeah, probably. Yeah, it's just like a dream. I, mean, I can see that. I can see that. I didn't think about it, but you're exactly right. That's a perfect example because that Littlefoot trailer has been at the beginning of well, everything. And Crazy Rich Asians had one of those before too, where you have the people from the movie talking about the movie. Yeah, I hmm. think they. I think maybe the studios think that's more interesting it doesn't make any difference to me quite frankly just either run the movie or run a trailer yeah you're right i'm i'm with you but that is a trend that's definitely happening and i'm sure it's going to continue to happen that's fine good catch there all right um Um, anyways what did you think of the rest of the movie i thought 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 well i thought the whole uh, elastigirl goes to work while mr incredible stays home with the kids was fine it felt a little dated to me almost maybe that's maybe that's just me I mean, it's like Mr. Mom, like Mr. Mom came out in the 80s. And that's basically what that portion of the movie is. Yeah, this I mean, yeah, it's not a new idea. Yeah, they just acted like it was so crazy that Mr. Incredible had to be a stay at home dad for two weeks. Not even long. What felt like three days. I felt like it just felt like that was an old. Yeah, probably the remnant of an old script that might 10 years ago have been more relevant potentially. But at this point, I was like, there's nothing new in that innovative. I didn't think so either. I mean, it was, it's, it's nice to see. I liked it. I thought it was funny. It was done well, but it wasn't, I was it wasn't that fresh. It didn't, yeah, it didn't go, we, I mentioned this to you already. It, it didn't go too deep into any one idea. Like, I don't feel like the movie chased an idea. I felt like it just like kind of dipped its toes into a lot of like common superhero themes that yeah. already exist so it didn't seem new and then we talked about this the supervillain is actually really cool and there's some really cool scenes and but cgi is great hardly, and the action scenes are really well done yeah the action scenes are amazing in this actually which is like makes the first half really strong because there's some cool action in it in my opinion but yeah. then it i don't know it just kind they of just like, don't spend a lot of time it's like they have too many ideas going on and too many stories almost that yeah don't necessarily go together so then they divide their attention between the two and neither of them feels full 
fully satisfying. Yeah, I almost felt like it just it was just like stronger content at more exciting content at the beginning of the movie and then less exciting content at the end of the movie. Well, I think so the it was actual, like a reverse curve. Well, it's just they're too different, I think. Maybe we're just old and we watched a kids movie. Maybe and that's totally <laughs> that's possible. Totally too. possible. I mean, I like the sort of storyline they were doing in the superheroes. That was well done, but it did, I mean, it just seemed like a lot of it was kind of recycled and as enjoyable as it is, it's kind of funny. I like the Mr. Incredible's stuff with Violet and Dash and Jack Jack is funny, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's like mind blowingly. No, I'm original. not going to remember this movie. Yeah. Well I don't. It's just going to go away. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we recommend seeing it if you're nostalgic. But we liked it. Yeah. yeah. It was good. It was not great. Uh, you know, like 50, 50 here. Yeah, I'm 50, 50. I mean, right in the middle. Totally passable, good entertainment. Do not expect more don't than expect your standard movie. Don't expect more than movie. that out of it. I yeah. didn't think either. No. I do feel like I had high expectations going into it, though, that it was going to blow my mind for some reason. I don't know. I don't ever try to... If you waited a long time for something, I try not to have those expectations because then they're probably never going to get met. I just think I liked the first one a lot and it carried... I think I've carried that for 14 years and so I just expected more out of this, even though I haven't even watched the first one recently, not yeah. all the way through, so... That's just the way it was. But yeah, so uh, yeah, you also, so that's oh, it I just the Incredibles, to bring up but Glow because yes, go ahead. I watched the whole second season this weekend when it came out um, and I had just watched the first season a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so it was fresh. But uh, it's really good. I really like it. It's on, it's a show on Netflix. It's a half hour dramedy because it's a comedy, but it's like m- friends, very dramatic, not even like sitcom comedy. Oh, okay. It's, um, I'm trying to think of something that it's akin to, but it's not like sitcom comedy, but like the office. I was trying to think of what I just had thought of it. What's this? Oh, it's sort of like I think I read an article where it's kind of like a league of our own. Oh, you know the movie wait. with Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, Madonna's in it. Yes, where they have I the women's baseball league. Yes, yes, it's very much basically like a TV like version of that, that except for it has wrestling episodes. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. But we're on the same page. It's really and like that's a comedy too. It's not like, you know, like a comedy that you would think of, like a Jet Apatow comedy or something no. like that. It's an ancient comedy that will be forgotten soon. <laughs> I don't think so. It's really that, a League of Our Own is really good. <laughs> but Glow is really fun. It's really uh, an enjoyable TV show. I really like it, and it actually has, I think, some interesting. It's set in the '80s, but it uh, has some interesting. Um, it takes a lot of, I feel like, uh, current issues revolve of that sort of revolve around women and it places them in the eighties, but it has some interesting things to say about that. I think so, so something more current than flipping the mom and dad roles in the atomic family. Yes. Oh, uh, good. I mean, they, I mean, they, cra- they grapple with, you know, um, sort of, I think there's uh they do racial stereotyping. They do, you know, gender roles, women, what women should be. Um, they even sort of have this, you know, uh, a me too moment i would say in the second season that's well done and kind of interesting so so is the second season better than the first i think they're about the same like it it didn't let me down but it's really consistent but also i mean you're talking about half hour it's 10 episodes and each one is half an hour so really you only have yeah it's one day of isaac watching tv yeah exactly it's like five (laughs) hours of content which isn't i mean it's smart to me yeah because you're not overwhelming with too much content that you're running out of the story. I don't see this show going on for 10 seasons either. They have, I think a story in mind that they want to tell and then they'll just tell it until it's kind of done. Yeah. So, and smart comedy. really like speaking of done, we're done with this part and every week you hear a sound. (laughs) And we watch it. This week's trailer is the Predator trailer number one. So I'm interested in this. Isaac is not at all interested in this. I'll go ahead and preface this with Isaac will be like, I'm not going to go see this movie and that's okay. But I am excited to hear him talk about it negatively. Personally, I am. I'm just sure I'm ready for that. And then um, I care about this franchise in that I want it to be good. And I always have, I was a fan of this as a kid because the predator is a really cool idea. And I think they've just consistently ever since the Arnold Schwarzenegger original made it worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I liked AVP as a kid, even though AVP is full of its own problems. It is, it was a good action movie. And I feel like that's the only decent thing that I've gotten out of predator since then. The like most recent remake was with, um, I can't remember his name. 
Doesn't I matter. don't know. Doesn't even matter. It was a terrible, terrible movie where they dropped a bunch of uh, people on Predator's planet and the Predator hunted them down. And I'm hoping, it looks like this is probably going to be back on Earth, but I don't really know. We're about to watch it, so if you would like to also watch it, head to Movie Clips Trailers on YouTube and pull up the Predator trailer number one. We will play a short beat and be right back to talk about what we have seen. All right, we are back. We just watched the Predator trailer number one on Movie Clips Trailers, and it does not look the least bit surprising or interesting to me. Isaac, how did you feel? <laughs> There's lots of guns and lots of explosions and hunting of a predator. Yeah, um, this was the most mess of a story I've ever seen, though. Could I you, didn't think did there you was not, any story. Well, it seemed like they wanted you to think that there was something going on with like the Rangers and like one rogue guy who... like apparently the military is against that they were like interrogating and they have him like kind of hostage. Oh, I thought it was that he knew something about the predator and they didn't, he didn't want to tell them and they were trying to get him to tell them. Yeah. Or it looked like at some point it looked like there was someone pretending to be a predator, but then also a real predator. Was that, did you not see that? It looked like the predator had disguised itself as a person to me. Oh, is that what it was? Maybe. I don't know. And it had Um, like snuck in. Yeah, it was all. There was a lot of really dark scenes. There's a lot of forest scenes. It looks like it takes place in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Shout out to Tennessee. <laughs> they um, probably filmed it in Atlanta. Yeah, that's yeah, tax breaks, right? That's why they do that. Georgia has a nice yeah film industry going. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's not much to say. We just no, literally like I said, there's the lots of guns and lots of explosions um, and hunting I, of the predator. I'm already disappointed that they can't Surprise. do the predator right. They're <laughs> There's so many, uh, you could just make it, I don't know, you could just make a decent monster movie with the Predator, but they never will. It's always going to be like a generic action movie that never tries to be anything. Why? Why take a cool villain, a cool alien, and I then never alien do anything cool with better. it? Between yeah. alien and aliens, I don't think you can do anything else. Yeah, and the whole, the, Prome- the Prometheus to, um, to uh, what was the second one called? I don't know. I didn't watch that one. Oh, to Covenant? Alien Covenant yeah. was the third, right? Or was that the second? That's the second. Oh, uh, what's the third going to be called? Do you know? I don't know. Okay, Probably anyways, Alien something. Cause that prequel <laughs> trilogy with Alien, infinitely better than anything they're ever going to do with Predator. I don't know who's in charge of Predator as a brand, but they fail. This fails. I don't like it. It's bad. It's going to be bad. I'm upset. Don't go see it. Thumbs down. I'm not going to see it. I'm not seeing it either. I won't waste I my movie pass. Gonna- <laughs> I won't waste my free tickets. I'm going to see this garbage because someone made it and put Keegan Michael Key in it. I'm not going to go see it. All right. This is a decent cast and they're being wasted. They made a buck though. They all made a buck and I can't fault them. The studio will not make a buck if I have anything to say about it. Okay. Okay. And that's it for this week's trailer watch. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about something decent, at least decent. All right. So, this week, we I watched Moulin Rouge. We're back to a normal episode. So this is one of Isaac's favorite movies that I have not seen. That is the normal format of this if you're just joining us or if you haven't been around recently. That's typically what we do. I think it says that on our website or we used to say it at the beginning of the episodes. But we've done, we've done so many things now that we're back. And we haven't said that in a minute. And I'm saying it. So here yeah. we are. Isaac chose Moulin Rouge. I watched it this week. Isaac's going to give us a little bit more background or information about the movie before we jump in and discuss themes and my personal opinion on it. And we see whether or not I liked it and see where we differ. So, Isaac, Moulin Rouge, set us up here. Okay, so um, mostly I guess here I'll talk about the director. So Baz Luhrmann is a director from Australia who was the director of Moulin Rouge and the writer and like co-producer. He sort of an auteur thing we're getting back into, you know, that I like when uh, somebody ascribes kind of to the auteur theory and they do a lot of the stuff for the movie on their own. They come up with the ideas, they deliver it in the end. Um, And this is sort of, I think the height of Baz Luhrmann's kind of style. Um, what it's is, a very stylistic. Can you go over the range really quick of Baz Luhrmann movies? So Baz Luhrmann, the first three movies he did was called the Red Curtain Trilogy, which was called Strictly, I think Strictly Ballroom is in there. Um, then it was the Romeo and Juliet. Uh, the with one with Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio and I Claire Danes, where they, um, 
they use the actual Shakespeare, but it's, but it's set in modern times. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah, I saw that in high school, I think, when we were studying Romeo and Juliet. I don't remember disliking it. Um, it's decent. I like it. I haven't watched it a ton of times, but yeah, it's not that's bad. A good. It was a good effort, as yeah. far as I can recall. Um, and then, if you're familiar with his work afterwards, he did Australia, which was a huge, sweeping uh, epic I remember movie. That with, coming out. Again, with Nicole Kidman. Uh, that actually had Hugh Jackman in it, too. Um, was not really a hit, and they spent all the studio spent a lot of money making it. So then I think so that was the downfall. I think of he's Bass got no, but I think that we've seen he like he's very extravagant, and he sets out to do a lot with the movies because after Australia came Gatsby, which was also sort of a um, that was a hit though. I think a barometer. It was okay. It was oh, cost really? a lot. Uh, so yeah. when it isn't a huge hit, you've got a problem potentially on your hands. Uh, and then he was responsible for the. Get Down, which is on Netflix, which I actually didn't even watch, but it was a show that only lasted one season because it was plagued with production problems and budget and... The Get Down. See? You don't even know what it is. <laughs> no. So... Dang. Um, so really, Romeo and Juliet to Moulin Rouge to Great Gatsby to Australia. Yep. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Oh, G- Gatsby was after Australia, but oh, okay. So it's kind of it's it's there's there's some troughs there's and there. some high points. I think and that some... um, I think Baz is not so great with the story sometimes, and more it's definitely more about um, sort of the production and the uh, visuals. He does some theater producing as well, which I think probably suits him a lot better. Because uh, he likes to make it extravagant. Yeah. Um, but anyways, to talk specifically about Moulin Rouge, that w- this is sort of his most well-received one. Uh, it was nominated for several Oscars that year. Um, and sort of the um, epitome, if I was going to show somebody a Baz movie, I would show them this one because it's mo- most of his style. And sort of, I think he was sort of allowed to run free with what he wanted to do with this. Um but yeah, I mean that's mostly what I had there for the production, I suppose. Yeah, some of the you can definitely tell with the CGI, some of the decisions on like how things are cut together were very like I want to do this. Yes. Someone was like, you know, it would be really cool, and they were really I excited think about it. Baz and they, was like, you know, it would be really cool <laughs> if we do this, and then people were like, okay, it yeah. seems like this movie is full of things like that. Yeah, so that's cool. Um. You have visited the Moulin Rouge. Are we going to talk about that? Well, I've actually, that was one of my favorite, not specifically the Moulin Rouge. Uh, I stood outside the Moulin Rouge and had a photo taken. (laughs) I did not go inside. Um, It was during the day. I did, however, take an entire like walking tour of Montmartre, which is the neighborhood that sort of the Moulin Rouge is in and sort of the... uh, It goes to the top of that like hill with the Sacré-Cœur, which is a... um, it's a church or something to that okay. effect. Um, it was really cool. And then you can look out from the Sacre Coeur and see the entire city, which is awesome. So how realistic is it that from the Moulin Rouge, the gun that went out the window hit the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> it is not okay. realistic. Okay. I just wasn't, respect, I wasn't sure but... <laughs> about the distance between those two locations. But it definitely, the movie, and I, we, when we did this walking tour, they told us all about Montmartre, which really was at sort of the turn of the 20th century. Bohemian. A neighborhood for yeah. artists. I think that we saw Van Gogh or Picasso. I think it was Van Gogh. Hmm. He like had a house there and we saw like the door of his house. Nice. I probably, it probably wasn't Van Gogh. Yeah. It was probably somebody else. But um, but like a very famous artist that I was you like, fall, oh wow, he lived here. And I mean, artists all over the place were walking around there. You fall in a small percentage of truly dedicated Moulin Rouge fans who have gone out of their way to visit this location. I'm pretty sure say. that a lot. I'm like, <laughs> it's on a daily basis. I'm sure a Moulin Rouge fan shows up to take a photo out there. I wasn't even the only one in our group. So, well, yeah. all right, all right, fair enough. But I guess to sort of um, go from there, the movie definitely, I think, is about capturing that feeling of the Moulin Rouge in the early 20th century, which is sort of this haven for bohemians and artists and people that don't have necessarily a lot of money, but were aspiring to, they were sort of, they had um, visions of, you know, a place of, of love and of 
Um, I mean, they were the hippies of the yes. early 1900s. Of, it was well, yes, yeah. actually, absolutely. So, yeah. And I think that this, I think the style of this movie is definitely, I think Baz made it in order to reflect that sort of um, feeling and. Yeah, they said uh, all you need is love so many times. I swore they were going to sing a Beatles song and they never <laughs> did. And I was like, oh, wow. Maybe I'm they surprised. couldn't get the rights to that one. Yeah, they got but, the rights to Nirvana, so, but they couldn't get the but rights also, to the Beatles. But also, I mean, we haven't even brought this up. So the movie is a musical. Yeah, oh yeah, um, the whole time. And it's more like a jukebox musical, which is a musical that uses songs from other places, often popular songs. If you go to like Broadway, they have several jukebox musicals, which are either like all rock songs. So you've, if you've seen Rock of Ages, they use all the infamous sort of like 80s hairband rock songs. Yes. Um, Mamma Mia is obviously one of the most popular the ones ABBA. with the ABBA jukebox yep. musical. Um, there have been ones for the Four Seasons, which is Jersey Boys. Younger people not so familiar with I don't them, know anything but, about that. Um, <laughs> but those are sort of those popular ones. And so this movie has um, is a musical and uses a lot of popular songs. I mean, they have some David Bowie, some Queen. Um, Lady Marmalade is a popular song. There's Madonna. Um, a lot of popular music all thrown right in there uh some sound of music sampling too that's true is one of I, my found that I always think that part's so funny um but yeah so that's mostly uh the background that i have sort of i didn't do a ton of great research clearly but you didn't do a ton of great research isaac what Sorry. what happened i don't know I just didn't this time. <laughs> but there's a lot of information about this movie out there that you can certainly um, go find. And it's a very, one. Of, this is easily one of the, I think, most popular movies of the first decade of the 2000s, easily. Really? Yeah. Did it I win mean, awards? That's why people, you, yeah, I mean, it was nominated for, for a bunch oh, okay. of stuff. But um, it's kind of shocking, not that you haven't seen it per se, because I know what type of movies you like, so this is not I've, a movie that you would have seen. I've never seen this movie, but I've heard most of the music, or a lot of the music before, either from you or from it being on, I guess, at times. Maybe sure. there's someone was watching it. But, and I mean, I'd it's a seen a lot of the movie. scenes in general. Like, yeah, I just like... It's like a lot of it was expected to me and I've never, I've never tried to sit down and watch it, but I've absorbed a lot of it, meaning that it's been around. Yeah, so. definitely. It's a well-known movie. Probably one of the most well-known movies that we've done on this podcast. I would what? venture, I guess, or at least most seen by other people. Maybe so. That might be true. Okay. Um, so let's move into the actual movie. Plot points. So the movie starts out with Christian, who is aspiring to be a writer. Well, so actually when the movie starts, we see Christian and he's very depressed and he starts writing a story. He's crying a lot and he's sad because the woman that he loved is dead. So right away we know that this is going to end poorly. It's going <laughs> to end upsettingly. Yeah. They, I guess. Yeah. At the very beginning, it's already happened. It's, they literally, he explains the whole movie at the very beginning of the movie without going into details. Well, the ending, yeah. but yes. So he fell in love with someone and she died. Yeah. So you could just watch the first five minutes. Turn so off. he's going to, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to tell you the whole story. So then it flashes back to a year before yeah. when he arrived in uh, Paris and in Montmartre yeah. as, as an aspiring writer. So wants he wants to write to about be, love. Oh, right. He wants to write about love and his dad is definitely not, a fan no he's a business guy so uh business, he ran away numbers, numbers. and he moves into this little bitty apartment and almost immediately as soon as he gets there a narcoleptic swedish argentinian, oh, argentinian sorry <laughs> falls through his roof yes and he eventually comes to get to know this band uh sort of a troop of performers that are his neighbors and they're writing a a show i guess it's called spectacular spectacular yes and they're having trouble with the story or with the lyrics to the uh show but they're trying to sell the show to harold ziedler who owns the moulin rouge ultimately christian replaces their other writer and he gets in with this group and so he is going to write them this fantastic show and then they're going to sell it to Ziedler and make a lot of money. I'm assuming is the plan there. Yes. And be fantastic artists like they're all aspiring to be. Um, so then they plan to go to the Moulin Rouge that night because Christian is going to pitch the show to the star of the Moulin Rouge, Satine. Um, by the way, Christian's played by Ewan McGregor. Satine is Obi-Wan played by... Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> 
by Nicole Kidman. Yes. Um, and she's definitely the most popular. She's like the headliner at the Moulin Rouge at this time. Yes. She's the um, Albert of the Moulin Rouge. Yes, definitely. Um, and so supposedly Christian's other, the leader of the arts troupe sort of, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but John Leguizamo uh, performing entirely on his knees through yes. this movie. Yes, which is funny. <laughs> Um, so he supposedly arranged for this meeting with Christian and Satine when at the same time, uh, Ziedler, who's played by Jim Broadbent, who owns the Moulin Rouge is actually planning a meeting between Satine and the investor who is going to invest in this show, save the Moulin Rouge and help convert it into a theater where they're, where Ziedler is going to be able to make a whole lot of money. And he's known as the Duke. He's known yes. as the Duke. So the and Duke he lives is in, this investor. Does he live in this giant tower literally right beside the Moulin Rouge? That's he what it makes nearby. it seem like. It's very, I mean, that the, <laughs> the specifics of that aren't really gone into per se. But um, so they, so we're already setting up sort of this sati- um, farcical mm-hmm. moment at the Moulin Rouge. We see Satine perform. So Nicole Kidman gets to perform Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend sparkling diamonds Mm -hmm. and um so there's this sort of confusion because ziedler tells her that she's going to be meeting the duke who's the investor and at the same time christian thinks he's supposed to be the one that's meeting with satine so ultimately satine mistakes christian the writer for the duke she dances with him and then takes him up to her room Presumably because she's going to seduce, she's planning on seducing the Duke to make sure that he invests in the show. Yes. She accidentally has Christian instead. And there's a whole, that's sort of one of my favorite scenes in this movie is all this confusion that's happening while they're at the Moulin Rouge when she thinks that Christian's the Duke and she's trying to seduce him. And he's just trying to show off his beautiful lyricist yeah, skills. It's a ridiculous scene of miscommunication <laughs> that's very entertaining. But yes, that's a lot of fun. Um, ultimately, they sort of discover their mistake. Meanwhile, who's at the door, of course, other than the Duke. Yeah. So sort of on the fly here, uh, Satine and Christian come up with this whole plan for the show. Uh, Christian's troop friends show up and they're all, perf- and Ziedler is there too, and they're all performing and trying to pitch the show to the Duke right there in this room. Um, so that um, offers some more fun uh, musical moments there. Mm-hmm. All the while, um, so the Duke is under the assumption that Satine is basically going to be his. That's basically what he comes up with. The Duke falls in love with Satine, and in order for him to invest, he needs a guarantee that Satine is going to basically belong to him. Yeah, and he's super possessive and weird about it. Yes, Very throughout weird. the whole thing. Meanwhile, of course, Satine and Christian have fallen in love with each other instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, our show is, it's been green-lighted. We're going ahead with it, but Satine and Christian have to sort of sneak around behind everybody's back. And they get caught. Well, we're getting there. At the oh, same okay. time, we've already learned that Satine is dying. Yes. Um, she coughs up she blood. She has tuberculosis. Yes. And uh, so, it and things aren't looking great. She's mm-hmm. already collapsed several times. Yeah. She's gotten very sick. Um, it's not going well for her, to say the least. But she doesn't know she's dying per she se. She doesn't even know she's dying. That's true, yes. too. Um, because... They haven't told her. Ziedler and some of the other people at the Moulin Rouge have prevented her from... I think that they're afraid she'll run away or she'll do something drastic and they need yeah, her. Yeah, they're using her, so yes. they can't let her know But Ziedler cares about Satine, too. Yes, He's trying to help also, her become a real actress. Yeah, for sure. That's how he pitched her, her own participation in this whole sort of scheme with the Duke, is that if, you know, we make this show, you're going to be the star of the show and you'll get to be a real actress, which is what she wants. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, yes, they do get caught. And there's sort of this warring between Christian and the Duke. Christian wants... So, essentially, the story that Christian comes up with for Spectacular Spectacular is also a mirror of what's actually happening in the movie. It's a little bit meta in that sense. Yeah. That there's this sitar player who falls in love with a courtesan and the courtesan belongs to the evil Maharaja. Yes. And it's set in India and it still plays... The Sound of Music is still the song that they use, even though it's 
um, set up as an Indian sort of vibe to it. Um, but the ending that Christian wants is that in, in the show, the ending Christian wants is that uh, the courtesan will choose the sitar player over the evil Maharaja. What the Duke coming to realize he's actually told by somebody else, but that he's the Maharaja in the story. So he wants the show to end yeah, who with is that the girl, courtesan. That really annoying girl that tells the another Duke jealous dancer. And, she's oh, like a man. jealous dancer. I know that moment is kind of, it comes and out of nowhere. And she comes back to him and is just like, uh, yeah, they're going to sleep together just to rub it in his face. And he punches her. Yeah. That's not, it's not, it doesn't really, not a, really, really not a good coworker, <laughs> not somebody you really want to be on your team at work. I don't think, um, just like a yes, convenient character so. who moves the story along that has nothing else. And multiple times too, Satine has wiggled her way out of meeting with the Duke. So she hasn't yeah. slept with the Duke. She hasn't had to go to dinner with him. She doesn't Even want though to. she's expected to do those things, Christian yeah. and her keep coming up with ways to prevent her from doing that while they're, they say they're rehearsing or they have to do this. They have to do that. Yeah. So, but it ultimately comes to a head where, um, the Duke demands basically that his ending is the ending that stops the show that the show will have. And then that, on the night of the premiere that Satine is going to sleep with him. Yep. Um, ultimately Satine chooses not to do that kind of, there's this whole thing where um, Satine realized Satine learns she's dying too. And the Duke threatens to kill Christian. Yep. So if she doesn't go through with this, then her boyfriend's going to die essentially. Um, so she sort of breaks up with Christian, I would say, kind of throws him out, decides that they're going to do the ending that the Duke wants with the Maharaja winning. And he, Christian, this part was a part that I was just rolling my eyes at a lot. Christian is completely oblivious to this whole thing in a, in the sense that his heart just got ripped out by this person that he thinks that he knows. But it's like, duh, dude, like she's trying to prevent you from getting your ass killed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it should be obvious, but he's uh, he's a little dense. He and lives he's in a the little, clouds. He's well, and that's his whole character too. He's very sort of naive and young, and he doesn't really get it. Yeah. So ultimately, he comes to the show the night of the premiere. Um, there's a lot that's going on. Which ending is going to end up happening? People moving here, people running there, um, and ultimately, they sort of perform this whole on the fly. Yeah, they literally in the final performance. The characters are just on stage acting out their actual thoughts and not yeah. performing. <laughs> and people, the audience thinks it's a show. And the Duke's henchman is trying to kill Christian literally yeah. in the middle of the performance. Yeah. And then the Duke is trying to kill him in the middle of the performance. And ultimately, um, so they finish the performance and Christian's there and Satina's there. Yeah, the sitar player gets the girl. Yes, in the end of the performance. And even they, they get had, rid of the dude. They had rewritten it so that the Maharaja would win the girl. Yes. But because of Christian's improvisation and then they up showing <laughs> yes. up on stage, the they improv the story to the way that it actually ends up in their actual lives. And then the curtain goes and Isaac, what happens? Um Satine basically dies right yes. there on stage at the end of the performance. Yep. She tells him to tell people their story. She tells him that she really does love him. She was just trying to protect him. And with her dying breath, like makes out a lot with him. Yeah. And <laughs> promise me you'll tell our story. Yes. And, then she does. and that's the most important part. Then we've come full circle back to the beginning of the movie where Christian is completely depressed because his love has died and yeah. now he's going to write their story for everyone to know. Yeah. He spent months in a hotel room and then he wrote their story or an apartment, I guess. And that is the entire plot. So if you have not seen this movie, spoiler alert, we just yeah. told you the whole but thing. But you also knew most of it like going in. I don't think that this story is, ex it's not completely an original story really. Um, it's no, done really interestingly in this, but it's just not, I mean, there's no surprises to a lot of it. I don't no. think so. Um, no. But so now we should probably discuss just in general, we sort of just through flew through the plot there. Yes. Very um, fast. So what parts of the movie did you like or not like, or I can answer questions that you had about the movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> open, we left open out all the, we left out all the sort of musical numbers for the most part there. Yeah. This whole movie there, is but, music. So. But a lot of it, 
yeah, a lot of the music never stops. Um, they have some really iconic um, songs in there. You'll rec- If you see this movie, you'll recognize almost every song, probably. There are one or two original songs. Uh, Come What May is an original song that, oh, interestingly, okay. was not eligible to be nominated for the Oscar because it was written for the Romeo and Juliet movie, and then they moved it to this movie, so it wasn't even wow. eligible to win the Oscar. Wow, I didn't know that. That's Although it probably would have, I would have imagined. Mm. Um, but that is the original song. They're sort of a song for Christian and Satine. Um, my favorites, I really like, well, the elephant love medley, certainly where he's on top of the elephant and trying to convince her yeah. to give their relationship a chance. And mm-hmm. they run through all of these really famous love songs. Yeah. Um, I like that one. It's always fun. Um, I think Nicole Kidman really does a great job in this movie. Yeah. I think yeah, she's she does. I was certainly surprised. the star. Yeah, I was surprised um, that I liked her as much as I did in this. But she's really good. It's crazy to think how, I mean, this movie's pretty old now. I mean, it's almost like 20 17 years, years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of funny. I always thought of her as, oh, well, I guess she was a lot older than me, but I think she's only supposed to be like in her like early 20s, like mid 20s at the oldest as the her character, I think that she was a little older than that potentially, but yeah, I mean she had. But to I mean, be Christian's like not supposed to be that old either. Yeah, he had to be like mid twenties. That's yeah. what it looks like to me, and she's a little bit older than that. But, but I mean, she's young enough to still be a desirable. <laughs> um, yeah, to to play a, a stripper or a prostitute yes, that's supposed to be more attractive than the other. A young one, but also have to be experienced enough that she's sort of risen through the ranks to be yeah. the number one yeah. in yeah. a way. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I really did not like um, the Nirvana. Which one is that? That's when the when the men are showing up at the very beginning and they're just meddling. They have meddling oh, a bunch of songs. Oh, that's right. And they do Smells Like Teen Spirit. Did not like that at all. That part um, was... Courtney Love gave express permission for them to do that oh. one. I read about that. Yeah. Um, that's, that's yeah, something I didn't there's like a lot, just as a musical I will choice. say that there's a lot that when those are all... When some of the songs are mashed up together, and especially at the beginning when they don't have definitive, like, this is a song and this is a song and this is a song, they sort of move to that at the yeah. end. When they do, like, the show must go there's on. There's like three songs going on that are yeah. on top of each other, and I was like, this is it's not It's that, that stuff great. at the club where it's sort of that quick editing, the like flashes here and there of the camera. The camera work is all over the place, which is really cool, and there's a lot of style to that, but it doesn't... It's just so much going on that you can't even attach yourself to even yeah. like a reference point. Yeah, one of my major thoughts was like they drink absinthe when he hangs out yeah. with the people at the beginning of the movie, and then he's like, and that was the first time I tried absinthe. I'm not sure the absinthe wore off at any point until the movie had ended. I think that's. I mean, that's kind of the point too. It's supposed to be very much a yeah. frenetic, exciting. Um, yeah. sort of performance almost yeah and i haven't mentioned it here but i do think this movie has the most cuts like cuts like oh yeah shots. camera angle change uh-huh. camera angle change camera angle change that i've seen in any movie ever because it is like a two-hour music video and um i liked it a lot i think um i i kind of unsure i didn't dislike it it did get slow in the middle and me yeah you've talked it kind about of this. sags a little bit there's like they like, oh, we love each other, but there's a problem because the Duke, I need to sleep with the Duke. And like, let's think of these plans. And they just keep like rotating around like, oh, we can't be together. Oh, let's be together. Yeah. Oh, I'm jealous. Oh, I'm not jealous. Oh, I'm mad. Oh, I'm not mad. In like a way that doesn't like really go anywhere. I'm just like, get on with it. Like, yeah, there you is, make a I will admit that too. And then even at that point, the, some of the songs, there's a real sag with, there's no like exciting song. I mean, yeah, that's true. When they turn Roxanne into a tango song, that is a cool, a really cool sequence and a really well done, but there's no excitement that keeps you like on the edge of your seat kind of, yeah. or like that really perks you up. Yeah. I definitely think that's true. I um, like that song. I like the show must go on too. And the way that they treated that one, the show must go on. Which one was that one? That's the oh, one. I do Ziedler remember. sings it with, Satine right before they start the performance. Yeah. And it's a queen song. That one's fun. Yeah, that one actually was pretty good. Um Ziedler surprised me as being a character that I actually felt invested in and interested yeah. in. I like as at the beginning of it, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna hate this character. I don't like his face was my first thought for some reason. Because sure. he's with all the girls and he's just being the like being the like you know, his character in the movie has its own persona of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm the like Broadway lead guy that yeah he's like this. the mc and owner yeah of the show. and his mc personality annoyed me but then his normal personality was totally cool and i enjoyed it as an actor well i think that that shows that he, he really does care about 
Satine specifically yeah. too and the people that he's like and he's doing this for I mean he wants to keep the Moulin Rouge going and there's a lot of people that are kind of depending on him and I think Jim Broadbent actually does a really great job um, and it's kind of a complex character which is really interesting yeah it's not it has a huge depth, part especially but yeah for it a does. character that's a side character like the duke really has no depth the duke is a psycho and is one well and i think that i think that i was thinking about this but i think there's a real point to that the duke and he even has like a henchman you could have made the duke actually himself scary but i think that they purposefully i think the point some uh up they don't want the movie to get too dark yeah so I think that the fact that the Duke is completely over the top and ridiculous and it's kind of funny, like they make fun of him a lot is specifically done so that the movie doesn't get too intense in a way because they still want it to be light and bright and fun, even though, you know, we already know the ending. We know Satine's going to die and it's sad because the whole movie is a love story. So, but I think that's the point of that. You're not supposed to like the Duke. Obviously he's the villain, no, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's he's kind of flat, but I think there's a point to that too. Okay. Um, let's see. What else did I like or dislike? Um, why is there so much India in this movie? You know what I mean? I think it's just that that room is... Well, well she lives actually, in a giant elephant. Well, I, that's sort of the room that's hers that she uses to entertain. Okay. Um, and then obviously that influences the fact that the room is decorated like that. So then when Christian goes to make up this story on the fly or create this story for Spectacular Spectacular, uh, that's sort of just where he goes with it because that's what's there. That's what's the inspiration. I think that I, mean, I did read... There's Paris Bohemian there's had a, a lot of Indian influence. There's a little bit of actually specifically that I think... Uh, Baz Luhrmann went to India or saw a Bollywood movie or something to that extent that really inspired him to that. And I think he just, I think he was trying to bring sort of that exuberance of Bollywood. And because if you know anything about Bollywood, it's like Bollywood will do a straight up, they have a straight up drama movie and literally at any given point in the movie, they'll break out into dancing sort of how, you know, at the end of, yeah. if you've ever seen Slumdog Millionaire two, that yep. dance sequence at the end of the movie is mm-hmm. straight, a straight like Bollywood reference too. Yeah. So that's sort of, I think it's just, he was inspired by that when he saw the movie or he went to see that and sort of brought that aspect into here too. And sort of, I think also to make it, as big and crazy as he possibly could for the ending. I think that's what he was trying to make that into. Okay. That I don't sense. think you can get much bigger than that Bollywood ending that he has to spectacular, spectacular. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, I'm trying to think. So this, I'm, I can't like, I don't think any scenes or particular moments struck out to me as like that, much more impressive than another maybe i think it's because the movie it's so fast and like everything is like big and bright and equal so like it's not i don't feel like i can easily compare you can't i I had a favorite moment throughout it because they're all so similar really well and i'm trying to i'm trying to come up with that too and i think it's just because the whole movie beginning to end is such an experience and it's so different from a lot of other movies and a lot of other things that you've probably seen that it it's difficult to almost describe it in a way too. It does come across as like experimental in a way that I didn't expect for a movie that's so big because it's not like a, it's not like an easy watch. No, you know, it's not something that you would just see on TV and like, Oh, let me pick up and watch a little bit of this because it is like frenetic and like, Oh, what am I watching? Even even trying to piece together the story. The first time that you watched it, there's so many little just throwaway lines that are important. You have to sort of collect all those and remember them all to, for a lot of it to make sense that it takes two, three, four, sometimes you think I've seen this movie probably dozens of times. And it takes a lot of all of that to get it put together to kind of be able to digest, I think. Yeah, because it's hard for me to remember. And normally, I think I'm pretty good at this, but it's hard for me to remember individual scenes other than like you and McGregor being like, will you love me? And her being mm-hmm. like, maybe. <laughs> just all forever. Movie, yeah. <laughs> it just seems like that was a lot of them singing back and forth in different situations and then loving but each I mean, other. But I mean, and it really flows. I mean, 
there's not a there's not a lot of it is very fairy tale esque. I like yes. the I like the like fantasy aspect of the whole thing. I and do think that's interesting because I didn't I didn't realize it wasn't. I thought it was going to be more like uh, this is just like you know old timey and you and McGregor falls in love with a dancer and oh, I thought it was like going to be normal all. and it wasn't like that <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. So my interpretation of it going in was completely incorrect. And it really is kind of um, it's almost sung through the scenes just kind it of. Is. Everything transition meshes. so it's like one smoothly. big scene yeah. yeah i mean there's no you know it doesn't fade to black and then fade back into a different scene it's all and then i mean even the transitions there's a lot of dissolves there's a lot of fades like things like mm-hmm. that that keep it all just moving as one continuous sort of thing even though it's obviously not um i do like the fantastical elements of it too it's really fun there's a lot of kind of early cgi that oh yeah sort of creates these outrageous moments in a way too yeah. like you said one of the most famous ones is when they throw the gun out the window and it bounces off the I, Eiffel tower it's so tacky it's the tackiest thing in the movie i mean far. it is or the part where they all throw up their hats and their hats are like go like way high oh, up in yeah, the building right, when they're yeah. dancing at the club. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of that put in there. Um, I'm trying to think the movie is really technically impressive in a lot of ways. Yeah. Too. It, a lot of it doesn't look bad for what is ancient CGI at this point. Yeah. It's really like it's passable. Well, and I think that's also because it's supposed to be over the top anyway. So you sort yeah, of it give it a pass better. by that. Yeah. 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 Um, the lighting when I watched it this time, just trying to watch it through more of a like critic with a more of a critical eye on looking at yeah. things. I thought the lighting was so interesting in a lot of points. They do a lot with There's a actual lot of ridiculous lighting going on. Yeah, it's very, but I mean, and it's obviously lighting that they did on set that they put lights and and yeah, honestly, I wonder that how was, much of it is like actual lighting or like generated. Like I think a lot of it is like real lighting. Yeah, I don't but know. I've no. I idea will they tell you that movie. when I was. Any time that I was taking film classes and we were doing like five minute, like short movies, lighting the movie was the absolute most tedious thing. It is, it's the worst. I could I I yeah, pride think myself about the on being of light a person that was in this movie. Which just that's like, a ve- I'm a pretty patient person, and it was. It's so hard to get everything exactly right and to make sure that the camera can see it in the way that you want it. And I mean, so when I was watching it this time and I noticed all that lighting, I was like, somebody really did a number on this yeah, thing. And they did a good job. One thing I do remember specifically, production wise, is that when it gets dark and she actually goes up to visit the Duke that one time, and everything is like in shadows, yeah. they do a really good job of making that scene different because it's the only time in the movie that that's that dark yeah close to that dark other I noticed than that when i watched the times time where he's time riding too. at the beginning and at the end when mm-hmm. you know she's already passed away there's like it's darker but it's more of like a it's more of like a faded look and not so like literally like dark terror yeah like filtered yeah it's yeah. not supposed to be like scary and yeah. intense it's yeah. supposed to be depressing at that point um yeah but there's a lot of really good performances i feel like john leguizamo is funny, but he's kind of wasted a little bit. You're talking about the head of his troop, the Bohemian Toulouse, troop. I yes, think that's his name. I guess I'm not sure. If I'm that's pretty sure. But and man, to have to perform the whole movie on your knees. His character is annoying. Yeah. Um. But I mean, he's kind of really, necessary too. What I really liked about this movie, and I thought they were never going to go back to, and I was frustrated about that when I was watching it, was is the fact that the um narcoleptic uh, Argentinian actually does fall asleep again well, towards the end of the movie. <laughs> then that's how Ewan McGregor gets to play the sitar player in the finale. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I, that is my actually my favorite part of the movie is that little detail because I yeah. feel like that's really perfectly placed. And the, I don't think there are many things in the movie that I feel like are perfectly placed like that. Because like we talked about how they have that one girl just like push the plot forward by being a oh, random yeah. dancer that just like mm-hmm. says what needs to be said so that things happen, which is dumb. But that I loved that part and it, yeah, it actually made me laugh funny. out loud. And then when they I have saw, to pretend I was like, wait, what happened to him? And then I remembered and I was like, that is They perfect. have to pretend that he like had surgery yeah. <laughs> or is like in a disguise. <laughs> <laughs> that part is funny. Yeah. So that's really good. Um, I just think that it's done so well and such and it's such a fun and exciting way even though you're telling a really like sad story but it's a love story so that's fun too but yeah it's just a really enjoyable movie i think yeah and i do like the music like the original music and the music i thought that was original that was not covers like the covers were fine some of them were pretty hit or miss for me which is i think my least favorite part of this and what i thought wouldn't have been my least favorite part of this i didn't know it was a jukebox like this is full of covers Mm -hmm. movie either and 
I really just like personally, I don't think a lot of them nailed it with me. The Roxanne one was actually better than I thought it was going to be. I feel and like that, that guy has, has a really cool of, voice. Yeah, and that one sort of is definitely... I said the Elephant Love medley, but that El Tango de Roxanne is definitely an iconic piece there. I've even seen that performed other places. Yeah, and I think and it helps that before that is too. that interesting moment in the movie when the lighting gets darker and it's all a little bit different. And it's it's really... It tints because she's up in the tower and he's down there. And they're I also like comparing think, the two with like... Uh-huh. Like the comparing their dancing with what's actually going on up yes. the tower, which is cool. Um, the, yeah, when it hits on all cylinders and it's able to bridge sort of multiple scenes or things that are happening and sort of capture uh, the emotions from a different scene through music or through movement, which I think is what the movie is trying to do too. When it really catches those moments and gets them right, the movie really shines and really works on a lot of different levels. Yeah, yeah, I can see all that. I guess, you know... As a final verdict, I'm not sure what else I have to say about this. I don't. I didn't really see any themes. No, I don't know if I it mean, tries I, to accomplish anything. It's a pleasure. It's like a pleasure read. It's a pleasure again, watch. Yeah, and I mean, I think that it's kind of. I like you said, it's almost experimental. The whole movie is kind of experimental yeah. in that way. Some, you know, Baz Luhrmann said, "I want to do this completely outrageous." musical I mean, it's a that two hour... takes some of my favorite songs yeah. and I'm going to tell this I'm going to put this love story in there and have some great performers in it and that's what we're going to do with it it's a two <laughs> then... hour absinthe fueled like music video Paris fairy tale set in the 1900s around you know prostitutes yeah it's that's exactly what it well, is art and, and artists oh yeah art I bohemian guess. more so bohemian, the bohemian artists yes vibe yeah it's a uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I don't dislike <laughs> it, but it's it's hard for me to say that I really liked it. And there's, I mean, there's really few musicals that I do like. I so know. this is this puts it above. I know. I'm all like, wow, sorts of. I got I don't know how I feel about it. So I'm pretty satisfied. I think with I that. need to watch it again, even though it's such a it's such a hard watch to me. Just because you it's have to, so... you feel it feels like you have to dedicate. It's not something that you can be like, I'm going to watch 30 minutes of this and then I'm going to go do my thing and then I'll come yeah. back and finish it. No, yeah, you have to sit there. It's and It's like watch The Departed. It. You know, it's oh, like a it's chore. Not <laughs> the chore like that. Oh my gosh, no, that is a chore. <laughs> Moulin Rouge is not that much of a chore. No, um, you know, I'm going to give it like a. I guess, I guess, I guess we're officially rating things here. I don't know if we normally do that. It's okay. You can rate it if you I want. I mean, I would give it like a seven and a half out of ten like it's good i'm counting it's that not i'm taking that as a win <laughs> that's but that is pretty good on my scale because i mean you and mcgregor's voice isn't even that great we didn't talk about that at all well, i was about to say when we were i was trying to get in when we were talking about el tango de roxanne that that's one of the only times that i think his voice really i think it's because it's kind of supposed to be lower but a lot of the other stuff when they're having him sing i think it's out of his register well, a little I think bit his voice is a good contrast to the voice of um that the rough voice mm-hmm. of the argentinian guy i'm not sure who plays him and then i think um the rest of the time, I think his voice and Nicole Kidman's voice don't go that well together or maybe really no. similar. Come What May has some really nice vocal harmony runs where they switch, like which voices are doing the like kind of like the, mm-hmm. I guess the soprano or like who's higher. So it's like the voice pairings change. Yeah. And you can tell when they flip. And that part is really cool. And that's why I like that song a bunch as far as the original music goes. That's one of the moments at least. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. He, um, yeah, his low his low range is not that good. Like he'll play, he'll like burst out for a second of the higher notes, and I'm like, oh, thank goodness. And then he goes back to the low notes, and I'm like, oh, you win. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that good. But you know, I mean, he he holds it together, and I really like I like Ewan McGregor a lot as an actor, even though I don't feel like he does very serious things. He he he's done a lot of cool stuff that I like, but I don't yeah. feel like he's like known as like a oh this person no, is an amazing super actor at all. Yeah, um, I and I think he I think he's well cast, even if his musical range is not completely like the most desirable one. Some of the other people that I read that had talked about, obviously Leo DiCaprio was probably auditioned for this since he's been in several Baz Luhrmann things, but I don't see him playing this part i did read a that heath ledger or jake gyllenhaal both auditioned heath ledger i I could have seen heath ledger he doesn't really look does he sing he sings if you've never seen um 10 things i hate about you which i don't think you have because that's on our list he has a whole singing (laughs) like part in that movie there is a spot where he sings um 
So I think he could have easily done it. And I'm kind of surprised sitting here thinking, I was like, I could have totally seen Heath Ledger in this yeah, part. Yeah, it, it's it's a role that he would have done. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. But Ewan McGregor is a good pick too. Yeah. And he, Ewan McGregor is more, I think that he's more of a clean cut look, I think. We don't really think of Heath Ledger, I think, as being particularly cleaned up and dashing and i think that that's what (laughs) that's what they wanted for you and mcgregor who's supposed to be i think this kid that came from money but he has this artist desire to leave all that behind and you know speak about love and write so yeah i think you and mcgregor looks more like that character if you think about it from the top than heath ledger would in general so that makes sense yeah i also don't see I i don't think Heath Ledger could have done naive and no, I don't think anywhere so as well mm-hmm. as Ewan McGregor's just like ridiculous like grin. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I think that I think Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman also play off of each other very well because yeah. his, like we were saying, sort of young, naive character is the perfect foil to her. She still has a little glimmer of those things. You know, she wants to be an actress and yeah, she, but she comes allows off as like herself a to fall person, in love. Like That's a right. Character. Like she yeah. understands this world that she's existing in where in order to get what she wants, she sometimes has to do some things that are uncomfortable or things that she doesn't want to do, but she's going to do what it takes in order to get that other thing that she wants. Um, and so I think that they play off of each other really well and they have some nice chemistry there too. Yeah. Um, I think we just about covered everything. I'm not sure what else. No, I think I'm good too. I, there was so much that goes on in the movie, even though nothing happens. Like yes, literally, I know. you already know what's going to happen. You yeah, see we went it through, happen, we ran through and this plot sequence. there aren't that sequence. many details. And I still can't, I, I feel like I should remember more. I'm kind of bummed because I've talked about everything I can remember and everything that I liked and disliked as particulars. And so this movie just struck a weird chord with me. It wasn't a bad thing. And it's definitely above 90% of musicals probably that I've seen because I like Ewan McGregor. Uh, I like the original music. I dislike maybe i like the original music so much because i dislike what they did with a lot of the covers covers, yeah (laughs) Yeah. but the lighting and cgi is really cool and very its own thing the way it's all b-roll almost no like a-roll like we talked about where it's all quick cuts and it's very fast gives it a feel that's unlike any other movie so i can definitely say that it's unique um i think i haven't seen the great gatsby in a while but i do think i gave the great gatsby like an eight so I might hold that a little bit above this personally, sure. but I would have to go back and rewatch it. But I think that's, I think it's hard to compare them and it's unreasonable to do so. Oh because yeah. This, well, it's, this is an experimental fairy come up tale and any, Greg Gatsby is like a standard. Yeah. Fair. Trying to come up with anything, even trying to compare. Um, I was just trying to think about this while you were saying that, but like even trying to compare this to other Baz Luhrmann movies, this movie completely stands out on its own. Yeah. Australia and Great Gatsby and even some of the Romeo and Juliet, I can see together, but this just stands on its own almost I don't I don't think I've ever seen another movie that's quite like this one. So yeah, it definitely it, is just stands apart for it that. It is a alone. unique artistic achievement for yes. sure and I will merit at that. And I didn't think it was going to be that. But it makes sense now how people talk about the movie that oh, I've yeah. seen it and I it's, understand. I mean it's polarizing. You from. either love it or you hate it. You're even oh, yeah. hilariously almost in the camp of love, except for you don't have a personal connection to it. I think that's really just putting it over the top. Yeah. But it's I mean, divisive in the f- fact that you're either gonna fall on one, one side of the fence or the, or the other. Which is yeah. why I feel weird is because I'm <laughs> I'm kind of in the middle there and you're not like you can't be in the middle yeah, with Yeah, you almost can't. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So man brutal but i'm glad better than the kids are all right (laughs) (laughs) to some extent i did i i wish it was a little bit shorter and i wish some of the i think you could have trimmed some of it out out. yeah or they could have extended the like end maybe a little bit with the i I think you could have it's hard because i think that the only thing you could have done i mean the movie is right at about two hours long yeah and in your right it does sag some of the plot but that's because also there is almost no like storyline it's the like the whole plot is the a storyline and you yeah, have some right. side characters but they are all just directly they're only focused having, on what the main characters that's exactly are doing. right they're not doing their own stories so in order to beef up any of the plot you literally have to create new characters or give some of the other characters and side story apart from the satine and christian story but i don't think the movie wants to do that either so yeah fair all right so my final take is as i said 7.5 out of 10 pretty good a little uncertain for me but pretty good
Well, like I said, I'm going to take that. So. <laughs> All right. So next episode, we are on my movie. So for the first time in about two months, you'll get to see a movie that I like. I wonder if the people that listen to this are like, what movies is Eli into? Like, well, you're <sighs> about to what figure it out. Into. Well, this is... If they if they had forgotten, or if anyone listening to this doesn't know, you are about to you're about for, to experience it full force. They're waiting for some random movie that nobody's <laughs> ever seen for us to tell them about they're it. Coming to the right person. All right. So next week we are watching "It's Such a Beautiful Day," the animated movie from Don Hertzfeld, and uh, that's all I'm gonna say about it. It's a uh, it's an experience. Watch the trailer if you if you're thinking about seeing it, or if you're not gonna watch it all please go watch the trailer because you'll want to see it. It is, it is an artistic achievement in its own right as this movie is, uh, but more so in my field, (laughs) my field of expertise. Okay. So find us online on Twitter, on Facebook at PBMC podcast. Isaac has been tweeting and hashtagging. The followers are coming in. I'm trying to beef it up a little bit here. Floodgates. It's a, it's a wave. So follow us on Twitter. If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week and you can check out our website, which is finally redesigned. I talked about this for a while and I'll be adding little bits to it, but I think it looks better than it did. I personally like it. it looks good so you can find that at popcornbrothersmovieclub.com review us on itunes or stitcher wherever you listen to podcasts it helps us get other listens we would appreciate it and that's it for this week uh thanks for joining us we uh we love you i'm mm-hmm. eli i'm isaac and this is the club <laughs> <laughs>